Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of its 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond, from iconic plays and arenas to the impact players have in the community. That's the NBA. That's game. Like in the NBA Finals when the Bucks had their backs against the wall. Drew Holiday steals the ball, pushes the break. Alley hooped to Giannis for an iconic slam. Seals game five and the eventual title. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and I've got an absolute frog in my throat. What? What? That was a terrible. I'm gonna have to cough now. <clears throat> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I'm gonna have to start again. I was gonna say I'm gonna start over, but you know what? We don't start over on yeah. this podcast. Yeah, we don't. <clears throat> we are frogs to the wall. On we are this frogs podcast. to the wall. I- I'm Joe Posnanski, and with me, the delightful Ellen Adair. Ellen, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me, Joe. I'm sorry for spoiling the surprise. No, it was no, me. no. It wasn't really a surprise, you know. You're, That's true. Yeah, people usually read the title. You know, plus, the- you're... You're a regular here. You're you're one of us. You're, you're oh, a podcaster. Oh, I'm finally a real boy. You're, you, you have become a real boy. So that's really yes. excellent. Ellen, I know you're delightful. I'm not even going to ask you how you're doing because I know you're delightful because we are going to probably spend, uh, we were estimating this before we started, what, the first four hours of the podcast? That's, yeah, that's what you said. Yeah. Right. First four hours of the podcast talking about the Phillies uh, re-signing JT Real Muto. Uh, and, and how happy that makes you and and how people can see you, you know, on on social media, do an actual dance. But we're going to let you do a podcast dance here about how excited you are. Uh, but before dance. we get to that, before we get to the excitement of JT Real Muto and and your Phillies. Oh, I think uh, I know what you were going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say, do you? You have no idea what's coming. You, you're you having me on the podcast because it's Super Bowl week. And there I'm you such go. A, I'm you such did a know what I was going to say. Connoisseur, knowledgeable person. All right. Let's break down some some uh, some Super Bowl. Uh, you know, what I'd like you to do is sort of break down how you feel Patrick Mahomes will be trying to attack that Tampa Bay defense. What do you think he's going to do in general? I think that he is going to uh, dazzle them with his handsome good looks. Sure. He's a, he is a good-looking guy. Yes, he? yes. And, I mean, I, he's also very talented. I, I think I texted you at one point. I don't know anything about football, but I do know enough to have a crush on Patrick Mahomes. And it's not purely visually based. Like, it's also I'm aware that he's very good at his job. He also, um, don't you, wouldn't you say, like, there are certain people like this uh, – I mean, in in all walks of life, you are like this, but I would say there are certain people like this in sports who are not just like physically attractive. I mean, there is that obviously, Uh, 
but they have like this spirit. His right? spiritual like this... aura is very compelling. Yes. yes. Like I always thought like Steph Curry has like this beautiful spiritual Indeed. aura, yes. right? Like he just emanates joy. Yeah. And and Patrick Mahomes is that. That's what he does. I I would say I would say Steph Curry, Patrick Mahomes, and uh uh Kevin Brown. I would say are the three. Mm. No, I wouldn't say Kevin Brown. Um I'd say I'd I'd hate to say it, but I would say there that that Aaron Judge also emanates joy. Oh. I know. It's terrible to say that. I'm, it, yeah, I can't say that. Well, see I mean, look, like, Mookie Betts is filter. Mookie Betts is a great right. example. I feel no, like no, Fernando Tatis Mookie. is also a great baseball example. Ooh, ooh, Fernando Tatis. Yeah, he's so, you know, look, he's still very young and still developing as a superstar. But you can uh, see that aura though. Oh, well, look, the aura is named for Mookie Betts. I mean, Mookie Betts is yes, clearly it's who he's yeah. based on. Um, but yes, but but getting back to it, uh, you were continuing on Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, of course, we don't want to not get my football analysis. <laughs> I'm just saying against the, I mean, against the too deep zone, which is what he'll be facing, I think, fairly often. How, how do you feel like he attacks that? Uh, well, I think that he attacks it. Uh, the same way that he attacks the one deep zone, um, which I assume exists. And you know what I love about this? Here's what I love about this. Nobody I know, and I say this in, in sincerity, nobody I know geeks out more on the like totally like tiny details of baseball like you do. Nobody I know does. Like there's like like honestly, like in a if you were in a bar. And and baseball conversation came up. You would partake, but you would find it way below your level. Like it would always yes. be like, oh yeah, oh, no no, I'll, I'm happy to talk about you know that, but you know what I really want to do is something incredibly specific. And then that it, none of that transfers over to, to football. Like um, yeah, none of it. Absolutely at all. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's have a joy. I have a like I I don't even know I was about to say your average mom's like knowledge of football but I feel like your average mom probably knows more about football than I do. I just I was not raised on football. My parents are not football fans. It's you not don't like it. Me. Would you say you don't like football? Um I mean there are parts of it that I'm certainly kind of like antipathetic towards. Yeah. On the other hand, I very much enjoy watching football with somebody who loves football. Okay. So I don't, I would not say that I dislike football. I feel like that would be unfair because then I would be like, no, I'm never going to watch this. And like, sometimes I have a great time watching football. Will you watch the Super Bowl? Will you actually watch the game? Probably. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very we good. actually, we just rescheduled our games night so that it would be on Saturday. So that, that is correct. I just Super got Bowl that email. Yes. yes. I should, we should tell people that, that you have a delightful, you and Eric have a delightful games night, which uh, Margot and I try to attend when we can. And uh, it's. Uh, I think I brought a- it up previously because I talked about uh, one of my one last meaningless things one week was how delighted I was when other people make Aaron Nola part of the games. <laughs> like when it's not that I've put Aaron Nola as the answer to something, but other people not totally knowing who Aaron Nola is will nevertheless <laughs> insert Aaron Nola into the games night. It brings me such joy. There's actually because of because of the way that you play the game, they're they're actually like, you know, this is these are these are the, the jack games. So, you know, you can there there are things that you can write and then there's like 
drawing games. There's like various different kinds of games. And it is kind of stunning how often the Phillies are mentioned in 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 the uh, in the game night. And and I think largely because everybody thinks that they're just pinning that on you. But I don't think you actually you you're too sneaky for that. I don't believe you use the Phillies that much. Um well, in TKO my celebratory phrase is always go Phillies. Okay. Um, but that's really the only thing that's, I guess, reliably Phillies related for me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, anyway, I, I feel like we've given people some pretty good insight into the Super Bowl. So I think yeah. we feel like, yeah, exactly. I feel like people can know. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty, here's what I can definitely say um, with a like sub average mom knowledge of football <laughs> is uh, number one, like what a sports year for Tampa Bay. And right. number two, like this is a very clear battle of good versus evil. Like I've never actually, I feel like I've perhaps never seen one so clear, even even when the Eagles were playing the Patriots. Uh, even then you did not be, because obviously I, I we, felt like it was we had some of the same characters. Good versus yeah. evil. Yeah, some of the same characters. Yeah, but I was just like this, you know, this Marvel villain has just transferred from one universe to the other, but it's still the same Marvel villain. <laughs> Now a DC villain is what you're saying. I, I mean, just... I guess, yeah, yeah. I was thinking more like the multiverse theory, but oh yes. yeah, I see. Yeah. Just in a different in a different universe. Here's here's a here's a little uh, sort of fact uh, from the from this year's Super Bowl that I am I am already utterly exhausted by, and that is that the uh, Buccaneers are the first home team uh, to ever play in the Super Bowl. Like they're the first team to play in the Super Bowl in their home stadium. It's actually. Oh, yes. It's actually happened somewhat like like uh, I think the Rams played a Super Bowl in Los Angeles, just not in their home stadium. And I think that uh, uh, maybe the 49ers played in Stanford, which is, you know, not their stadium, but still their area. But here's here's my point. Who cares? I don't care. <laughs> Nobody buys local like anything for the Super Bowl. Like, right, not like right. it's 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 like, oh, you know, that this is this is. Uh, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, it's like saying, Hey, this, this Oscars person grew up like 12 minutes away from, from this theater. Like who cares? I, I, it's, it's like a, it's like a, a total piece of trivia, but man, I've read like five stories that, that essentially were built around the premise of, Hey, wow. Look at Tampa Bay, you know, being the first home team and like, so what? Like what? Like what difference does that make? I I don't know. It, it's I find it to be an utterly tired. Maybe maybe I shouldn't because every story that refers to to the fact that this is the Tampa's the first home team uh, is is another story that is not just pitting uh, um, Tom Brady against Patrick Mahomes in some sort of horrific just comparison way yeah, that is that's... just. Uh, that's actually what I thought you were going to say, because I yes, obviously, like the the notion that it is the uh, the sort of like the home team gets to play at home. This has this has permeated my bubble, as have the the takes of like, look how old Tom Brady is, oh, and yeah. look how young, how young Patrick Mahomes is, and I'm like, 
excellent hard-hitting journalism right there (laughs) and like part of the reason why i don't like it is i was like well but actually normally i'd root for the old guy you know what i mean like don't make me like tom brady by being like well he is kind of old you know and he's like still yeah he's he's still he's still evil no look i i think yeah i saw one today getting back to that specific point some someone today talked about how uh, Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes' father, of course, pitched in the major leagues, is fifty, and and Tom Brady is forty three or something. And I thought to myself, like, yeah, I mean, like if Patrick Mahomes is whatever twenty three years old, he would have about a fifty year old dad. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And we all know because it's been rammed down our throats for the last 10 years that 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 Tom Brady is getting older. I I like Tom Brady is not the kind of person. There are athletes like this, I should say. There are athletes that every so often you'll say, "Oh my gosh, I wow, I just never thought he'd get old." Right? I never thought mm-hmm. that, you know, that that uh that whoever it is, Ken Griffey Jr. I never thought Ken Griffey Jr. would get old, you know, and then suddenly you look around and and there he is, he's 40, and you're like, wow, look at the way time passes. Tom Brady's never been off the stage for like 20 years. There's <laughs> never been a moment for it. It's, it's like watching your own kid grow up. You're like, I don't see the difference. It's the same old guy, whatever. It's just, I don't know. It doesn't uh that story does not interest me. The the one that really doesn't interest me is the is the story that appears to have been uh started by Tony Romo or at least the theme seems to have been started by Tony Romo that that in order to be the greatest quarterback ever uh Patrick Mahomes has to win because this is almost certainly the last time he is going to face Tom Brady in in a game of this import and that if he doesn't win Mm. that somehow tom brady will always have that over him somehow and that is just (sighs) the stupidest idea and you know and that that to me feels like one of those things i mean look look, it's super bowl week i've I've covered 22 super bowls i realize that look two weeks between the last game and Super Bowl, you're gonna you're gonna write anything. Mm-hmm. Everything is mm-hmm. a story, right? Yes. But this notion that like literally he should just quit after this year, maybe because he he loses to Tom Brady, he has no chance ever of being the greatest ever, no matter what he does. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's just oh, I hate it. Hate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like what I would like to see more of are articles titled "Who Cares." Like, I want your take. It actually delighted me so much. I was like, I think I just, I actually need more sort of like, ah, a new piece from Joe Ponsnansky is out on The Athletic. And then the, the title is just, who cares? Who cares? Just literally, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. I yeah, wrote, all... I would. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I would say at Super Bowls, uh, you know, I would I would usually get to the Super Bowl on either the previous Sunday or the Monday before. This back in the days when, when newspapers, uh, well, this back in the days, obviously when you could go to the game. I mean, that's one thing. Indeed, but but also back in the yeah, but back in the day of newspapers when when it was competitive and and there were a lot of newspapers and you were you were trying to make sure you had your own angles and your own stories and whatever. So I would get there on a Sunday or Monday and I would write at least once and probably twice a day columns uh, for the week. So that's. I don't know, seven to 10 things that I would write during the week, you know, 
And I would say six of them were who cares. Uh, <laughs> at least six. <laughs> like I would like there's a there's a wonderful moment in the Super Bowl. So I'll, let me give you a little insight into what oh, it's please. like to cover the Super Bowl. Oh, please. When you get to the Super Bowl on Tuesday and Wednesday of Super Bowl week, you are, you know, they're trying to figure out how the heck to handle because there's thousands of media people there, right? And there's radio people and television people and newspaper people. So what they do is they put, you you go to the hotel that the team is staying and they put the players in a ballroom. There's like this huge ballroom that they'll, they'll put the players in each of them at an individual table. So you want to talk to whoever. So like this week you wanted to, like Tom Brady would have his own, he would, he wouldn't even be at a table. He would have his, like his own huge stand and whatever, but like somebody on the chiefs, you know, who, who is a good player, but not necessarily a great player. Uh, say Eric Fisher, their left tackle or whatever. Totally. He, Eric Fisher. Yeah. Great example. That's who I know. That's who you were thinking of. That's <laughs> yeah, why I, it was. Yeah. Or Chris Jones. Well, I knew you were thinking of those two. Uh, yeah. Um, I just, yeah. I couldn't think of Chris <laughs> Jones name for a second. Yeah. This feels, this feels ridiculous to me, by the way, I'm sitting there like we're, we're sort of making fun of your football knowledge, which, which feels very cliche and, and, and really silly considering that you are a baseball geek, like a geek, like ridiculous geek. So this feels kind of silly. No, I enjoy it, actually. I, <laughs> so I think they I would the sit at up. a round table, like a round uh, buffet or banquet table, I guess, not buffet, but a banquet table with like eight chairs around it. And they just sit there for an hour and different reporters will come up to them, sit at that table and and ask questions and with microphones or with notepads and some people who were like let's say you were doing a full story on eric fisher which i'm sure you would um would be like there the whole time they would stay the entire time and then you know try to get in questions in between other people's questions and they're doing a big full story other people would just want to go over and they'd be like hey eric how do you feel about the the Bucks having home field advantage, you know, and he would <laughs> say for the eighth time, like, oh, well, we're going to just have to deal with that. Obviously, you know, they're on the road. They're going to be more comfortable or whatever that people are saying now. All right. So what I would always do is I would always go to this banquet hall and it find was a ballroom. The... You described it as a ballroom. It is a ballroom. Is it yeah, a which is hall? which was crucial for my enjoyment of this because for a second, beside before you like specifically described what it actually was, I just yeah. imagined football players like in their full football gear, but like doing ballroom dance <laughs> together. Well, and that's it was. They do that when was, we're not watching. Great. Yeah. yeah, it was sort of like the 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 drawing that I sent to Charles Barkley when I was like four years old and he was injured, and I drew him in bed with his teddy bear and all his teammates standing around in their jerseys. Cause like, that's what they wear. As far as I was concerned, I was like, those are their clothes. So yeah, sure. that's sort of how I feel about football players. Also. I'm like those, those things, that's what they wear. Those that's are what clothes. they wear. They go to bed wearing that. That's it. They're, they're yeah. always, in they those, take the those... helmets off. Well, sure. Because I mean, they want to. Yeah. I mean, you got to sleep. Be super uncomfortable <laughs> if you don't take the helmet off. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I just, I, it, very successfully it, derailed it, your conversation. <laughs> It is a ballroom or, or look, it's, it's one of those places where it's like, you know, this week, you know, you're going to get to come in here and meet the Kansas city chiefs. And next week you can come out to like, 
Eric Goldberg's, you know, bar mitzvah. And then like the following week, it's like <laughs> Judy and John's, you know, wedding. And so it's like that kind of place. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and what I would do is I would get there and I would, and it was, it was really crowded. I mean, there wasn't any movement, you know, and I would try to walk around and find the one player who nobody was talking to, mm. you know, whether that was the long snapper, uh, Punters were surprisingly uh, popular at these things. It's like you would think that you would get full access to the punter, but no, there was usually somebody around the punter. But there were <laughs> there were tables. Actually, now that I think of it, this is kind of bad. Everybody got their own table except for the really, really uh, uh, non-famous ones, like the fifty third player on the on the roster. You know, the long snapper or like the third string right guard or whatever it is. And then he would put three or four of them at one table. Like they, like they didn't even give them their own table and they so all had like a kid's table. It was like a kid's table, but, <laughs> but you have to understand each of them had a sign on their table saying who they are. So you have like one table, like, like here's the table where Patrick Mahomes is, you know, and then, and there's 80,000 people around it. And then you have one table that has like, four people, four sad signs, you know, and they're just kind of sitting there and there's nobody to talk to. And then I would just go over to that table uh, and I would sit down and they would get kind of excited because look, they were bored out of their minds. There, there was nothing to do. So at least maybe somebody here is going to ask them a question and I wouldn't really have any questions for them. <laughs> So I'd be like, man, this thing is kind of crazy, isn't it? And this kind of stupid, you know, this whole scene. And they, they, some would get into it. Most would not. Most were, you know, they were, they were, they were ready for the game, I guess. They, they, they didn't. They didn't want to talk nonsense with you? They did not want to talk nonsense oh. with me. So then I would ask them questions. Like, what, what is it like to be a long snapper? Like, how do you, how do you like it? Are you, are What's you, the most challenging part of being a long snapper? Are you a, are you happy long snapping? Well, if you weren't long snapping, what, <laughs> what would else you be would doing? you do? <laughs> By the way, nothing, nothing touches the stupidity of the questions here at the Super Bowl. Nothing touches them. There are some famous ones, like there are famous stupid questions, like like the the year that uh, Doug Williams. Uh, became the first uh, African-American quarterback uh, to, to start in a Super Bowl. And somebody asked him the question, you know, in, in, it, it was, you're, you're on the spot, you're nervous, whatever, you're, you're, you're trying to get the question out. But the question was, how long have you been a black quarterback? Uh, which is, which is a little, a little bit tougher. <laughs> that's, that's. Yeah, th these are the great things about. But the Super Bowl, the Olympics, the Olympics, the the, the best questions ever have been at the Olympics, uh, especially. Is better than how long have you been a black quarterback? Yes, the, yes. Well, there, there. Uh, the my favorite moment of the Olympics was not the the thing is that they have translators. Obviously, at the Olympics, the Super Bowl, you don't have translators, so everybody. Everybody obviously everybody's speaking English, but nobody really knows what anybody's talking about. So it would still be great if they did have translators sort of saying what you really are trying to ask. But at the Olympics, you're you're you know, you're you're dealing with all sorts of, uh, you know, different countries. And, and so you put on these uh, headphones 
and listen to the question. And then what you're actually hearing is the translator mm-hmm. uh, ask the question in English. And we've we've been debating who, when this exactly happened, but uh, I believe it was in water polo. We we've sort of gone back and forth about when it actually happened, and I'm sure somebody listening to this will know the very the specifics of it. But essentially, the this water polo team had lost the game, and I think it was the whatever the the goalie or whoever it was that had given up the 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 winning goal. I believe that's how it happened, but it, it might have been something different. But the question I remember very specifically. It was asked, I believe, in Bulgarian, uh, or you know, it was asked in a, in a language that that you know, Probably like if de- it was declines nouns or something. Well, like right, it was one of those like, like if it yeah. was asked in Spanish, like I probably would have picked up a couple of words totally. from it, you know. Yes. But it was in a language I didn't pick up any words, and so the question was asked, and then over over my headphones, the the question was translated: "You are a national disgrace. Please respond." That was literally <laughs> the question. You're oh, a national God. disgrace. Please respond. What did the so, person say? Um, I I don't I don't know that there's a way to answer that question properly. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess it also would have been a translated answer, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there were lots. Of, I, the I politely decide to d- disagree <laughs> with that notion that I am a national no, disgrace, I, given that I am an Olympian. Yeah. It was definitely not that. It was def. I what I I don't remember the specific response, and I wish I did, and I probably should do the research on it. But I don't. I remember very vividly the answer was directed to the question. In other words, he didn't say like, "No, I'm not a national response, uh, national uh, shame or anything." The response was something like, "Obviously, I am in great pain," or so. You know, it was like something like that. It was it was directly answered. Oh, God, the great the great runner uh, El Garouge was asked a similar question. He was asked, how does it feel to let an entire country down? Uh, which, you know, that feels harsh to oh, me. Brutal. Yeah. Don't you think that that would be... And and it feels like journalists from other countries can, uh, in many uh, cases, be more direct uh, or are more direct than we are. Because I think we, as generally as Americans, uh, American journalists sort of hem and haw around the question in, in for the most part like usually like if a if a guy blows a lead in in you know the ninth or something we'll usually like frame the question in such a way like did you feel like the umpire not giving you that call strike was was the key to right, you right. you know it's always like something like giving them an out Rather than saying, how does it feel to let down all Phillies fans, right? I mean, like that, which would be, which is, how how would you prefer the question be asked? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, this this whole conversation has had me thinking that we, perhaps particularly in this country, since I think I'm most used to news conferences in this country, uh, could benefit also from a translator. You know what I mean, and so that so that the the kind sports journalist would right. say, "How did you feel when you didn't get that you know marginal call that you know then ended up leading to the walk?" Like, and then somebody would translate, uh, "Yeah, how do you feel that you you know how do you feel knowing that you blew it?" <laughs> You know, and then and then the player would have their sort of like Bull Durham response, 
about right. like, you know, uh, just trying to get out there and execute pitches. And then the right. translator would come out and be like, it really sucked. It really sucked. <laughs> I thought I got totally squeezed on that yes. third strike. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I actually am all for that. I would actually like to serve. I think you and I, we travel the country and serve as these as these uh, translators. And uh, I look, I think it would be fun in all sports, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it'd be particularly fun in football because football press conferences are the worst. They're the worst. They're always, you know, the questions are very, and, and I say this I, in, in no way knocking other people because this is me too. I do it the same way. I'm not, I'm not in any way placing myself above anybody else. I'm below everybody else. But we ask very timid, generally timid, either timid questions or, or, quest, or, or questions where we are being the opposite of timid just to sort of serve a point. Like we're not, we're not mm. really asking the question. We're, we're just, you know, trying to show how tough we are or whatever. But mostly it's very, very timid. And the answers are always, they're, they're not even pretend vague. They're just like, I, I, I've got to see the film. I haven't seen the film. Uh, I didn't really get a good look at that. I mean, something we're going to definitely have to talk about. You know, it's like nonsense. So I would love if you and I would just travel the country and just do absolute, like just absolutely direct questions and direct answers. We're the translators and we're just like, when they ask the question about like, so did, what did you feel like your defense was doing out there? Uh, uh, what, why, why were they able to, to uh to to really uh move the ball against you there in the second half and we would be like so why did your defense stink and then and then the answer would be like you know it's something we're gonna have to look at film uh and then but the actual answer is uh it was it was the cornerback he stinks yeah it's just like you just we just we just start calling names we just name people i think it'd be a lot of fun i'm very excited about this I'm I'm very excited, number one, to travel the country with you. That sounds like fun. But I'm also excited because in order for me to do this for football, as I think we've well established, yep. I will need some training from you, which means we're going to have a training montage. Oh, And I'm really excited about our training montage where you best. teach me how to translate football. I'm sure I can like pick it up pretty quickly, but... Yeah. You'll pick it up super quickly, but what music will we have for our music montage? I mean, Eye of the Tiger is what just <laughs> occurred to me, the very first thing that I thought of. I'm sure just that start I... hearing that little bu- 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 right, yeah. right at the beginning as I'm showing you a chalkboard. By the way, this is all assuming that I know enough about football to teach you anything. I'm about confident football. that you know enough to be able to teach me to translate football translate press conferences. Translate questions. I should I'm, be able to. I'm confident. Realistically, what we should do is do this for baseball. I mean, I think this is where no, we, we can do our... it for baseball too. But like, yes. I have a little bit more experience with. I'm happy to also have a baseball training montage. But I'm confident that in <laughs> no, order to do football, I need a training baseball. montage, and I'm really excited to get a training montage with you. I'm so excited. All right, it is astonishing that we have wasted 30 minutes and not talked about a <laughs> single thing. We have literally not talked about anything. We talked. We talked so much about football. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did. We did. We did talk a lot about football, and I think we can take away from this that you are picking the Chiefs to win uh, thirty-four twenty-four. 
right? Is yes. That, is, is that that your prediction? Yes. I don't know if that's a. I assume that's not a scorigami score, but I'm still going to pick it. It is not a scorigami. I'm sure that's happened many, many times. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of its 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond, from iconic plays and arenas to the impact players have in the community. That's the NBA. That's game. Like in the NBA Finals when the Bucks had their backs against the wall, Drew Holiday steals the ball, pushes the break, alley hoop to Giannis for an iconic slam, seals Game 5, and the eventual title. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA, that's game. It's like game five of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks Suns in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side, found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. All right. Well, you know what we need to do? I'm just going to, I'm going to stop talking because I've talked too much already. And, um, please don't stop talking. No, this is it. I don't this like your, having a one person show. It's never this been my This is your dream. moment where you are going to describe the joy that you had when, when the Phillies re-signed JT Real Muto. Ah, yes. The jocund terroir Real Muto day. Ah, Okay, so have I talked on this podcast about my history of my love for JT Real Muto? If you have, it doesn't matter. You must do it again. (laughs) Okay, excellent. Yes, so I have loved JT Real Muto since I believe it was late 2015 when I saw him playing the Phillies and like steal a base versus the sad 2015 Phillies. And I was like, who is this catcher who is stealing a base? I love him. So... I have been a very particular JT Real Muto fan for a long time. Like I own a JT Real Muto Marlins shirt. Wow. This was my love for JT Real Muto. Was I was like, this is my guy. I love him. He's not in the Phillies, but I love him. So when the Marlins started having a sort of a fire sale and trading off their pieces, I started the Twitter campaign, hashtag save JT. Yes. And I just wanted anybody to take Real Muto. I was just like, he deserves to be playing with other players who are good, and I will not accept any snide jokes about the Phillies at this juncture. Uh, but yes, I, I mean, there were rumors linking him to the Mets, and I was like, oh my God, Mets, you have to save JT Real Muto from the carcass <laughs> of the Marlins. Like, take him. Take this man. He's yes. a catcher who steals bases. So... I was very surprised. I was flabbergasted and blindsided when it was the Phillies who saved JT Realmuto. I mean, yes. it was it was obviously it was a it was a complicated day 
um, because of the price that was paid with Sisto Sanchez and also many, many years of Jorge Alfaro, a completely cromulent catcher. And nevertheless, like he was one of my favorite players. How could I not be thrilled? So this had very high stakes for me because to just have JT Realmuto for a, a season and a half, really, was just going to be brutal. To see JT Realmuto on a different team now that he had been part of my team, now that he was one of my favorite players, and then my team got him completely out of the blue, I, I, I had much much like heart in this game um, to the degree that when the rumor was circulating that the Braves might be in on JT Realmuto, I I posted a picture about how I was maybe contemplating suicide if he went to the Braves um, of all teams. You were not happy about that. I was not happy about it. No, I was not happy about it at all. And it was not particularly helped by the fact that I got a DM from an industry insider who will remain nameless and is not Joe, to be clear, who was like, this could actually happen. Like, this is not out of the realm of possibility because, of course, in so many other ways, like, they already have good catchers and they tend not to sign people for multi-year deals and all kinds of things about the Braves that made it seem like this was maybe not a logical fit. So that was when I really freaked out and was like, should I jump out the window if this happens? Uh, but of course, as we have learned, JT in his press conference said that he was confident that he was coming back here the whole time. And I was contemplating suicide. Thank you very much, JT. Thanks for helping us out. Just kidding. I love you forever. <laughs> uh, so, yes, it was it was a really quite a glorious day. And it's been a very busy, like, past week and a half for me. And so I feel like I, I didn't quite... Uh, get to just revel in it the whole day as I perhaps ideally would have been able that's to. That's why you're but, reveling now. But uh, yes, this is the, this full, is the, this this is the, full, is the revel. full revel. You know, the JT Riomuto situation uh, reminds me of something about baseball that I find a little bit, well, it's of course it's silly, but it's, it's, uh, it's comical in, in sort of a larger way. And that is this. Here it is. We're in the off season. This has been a, a very eventful off season. I think we can all agree. It I has. mean, yeah. you know, this you've had uh, the very, very uh, sad for for me news uh, of of a certain uh, wonderful Cleveland shortstop going to play for the Mets. Mm, it's uh, yeah, not great for me either, to be totally honest. <laughs> no, I don't look. Even if you're a Mets fan, look, I know you're happy. You've got Francisco Lindor, and you should be because he's wonderful and a joy and that thing we were talking about earlier, that sort of uh, life spirit that certain athletes mm, have that make yes. them just glow. He has that oh, and in space and enjoy him, have him, you know, in, in, in good health and all that. But uh, it stinks. It just stinks. You're, you know, that's, there are certain players who just should never, ever, ever leave the team that they're a part of. And, and, uh, and uh, it certainly shouldn't come down to money, and it did, and it does, and we all know that. So that's really sad. Feel, I wouldn't say exactly the same sadness, but similar feelings for Colorado Rockies fans. Yeah. Uh, after losing Nolan Arenado to the uh, Cardinals in a trade that that essentially 
from what I from what I can see, and and this is not my own uh, observation. This seems to be the uh, consensus is that the Cardinals sent uh, two slices of pizza to get uh, to get him. Uh, and also the car, the Rockies are paying part of his salary. So it doesn't feel like the best deal for the Rockies. I don't Particularly know. Particularly because it was St. Louis pizza. Exactly, which is gross. And and I just want to say that again, uh, <laughs> in case anybody uh, has any doubts about the fact. It's uh, fine it's, as it's, food. It's bad as pizza. No, it's not. It's, it's not fine even food. fine as food. Here's here's what I'm going to say about <laughs> St. Louis pizza. I'm sorry. I don't Now I got to get going on this. It's not even fine as food. It's it's it like like if you want to make the argument that Chicago pizza is not real pizza or is not pizza as you come to know it, that's fine. You can make that argument, but Chicago pizza is delicious. You can say it's not really pizza because I think of pizza as New York style or whatever the case may be, but it's still delicious. It is delicious. St. Louis pizza is terrible. It's not even delicious. It's it's no good if I have the choice of having like, oh, here, here's a plate of of uh, of uh, broccoli and vegetables. And here's a, uh, a couple of uh, slices of St. Louis style pizza. I'm going for the veggies. I, I'm just telling you, it's not tasty. I'm also going for the veggies, but I'm a very like pro vegetable. Well, I like veggies. I mean, I'm, you yeah. know, that's why I mean, like, I'm not saying I would eat something disgusting. Like I wouldn't eat like live snails before I would eat St. Louis pizza. Yeah. It'd be close, but I wouldn't. I'd would still go for the pizza. But uh Yeah, no, no to me St. Louis pizza has always been sort of under the umbrella of what I have for most of my life called the Chi-Chi's principle. Like it's not good Mexican food, but if you just strip away any preconceived notion about what it's supposed to be and consider Chi-Chi's, like is this no, edible? No. no. Edible? Yeah. Boy, barely. Chi Chi's, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Chi Chi's food is filet mignon compared to uh, St. Louis pizza. I agree. St- I think that Chi Chi's is better than St. Louis pizza. Oh, yeah. I will not, not disagree with that. But yeah. That's yeah. not even close. Look, St. Louis pizza uses some sort of, <laughs> what what kind of cheese do they use? It's like provol or provol or, it's, I'm sorry. Look, and if you grew up in St. Louis and you love it, I don't have any. That's fine. You you should always be there to defend your hometown food. And look, I, more I am, pizza for you, really? Right. We're I'm one hundred percent for that. But it is gross. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Anyway, they should have gotten more than St. Louis pizza for uh, for uh, uh, Arenado. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the Rockies are doing. I mean, I I I guess I know what they're doing. I mean, they're dumping, but I I don't. Was there really nobody out there offering more than that for Nolan Arenado? Yes, yes. I mean, that's my response is like, how do the Cardinals get to keep doing this? Well, because they're they're such a good organization. I mean, they really are. (laughs) They're just, they're smart. I don't, uh, I can knock them all I want. They're super smart. And that's, suddenly you look at them and you're like, oh yeah, they got him too. Like, it's just like, uh, well, you know what, they're, it's, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's completely baffling that they were like, here, take Nolan Arenado and also this, this $50 million. Yeah. Like, no, no. They, just... they were like, they were like, here's a little money. Well, you know what? We know that you guys in St. Louis need money. So here, here's a little, here's a, here's a money. We want to give you money also because 
And can you guys give us like a couple of guys that we've never heard of? Can you throw those guys in yeah. to the deal? We've Just... heard you have this special kind of pizza and we haven't tried it. So we want to make our... We, we're we we're wanna... so curious. Yeah, exactly. You know, we want to have our pizza. own scientific study about whether or not it's edible. Denver pizza is delicious. That's just, ah, just what a, what a mistake. Anyway, but the point I wanted to make was it's been a very, uh, eventful off season, more eventful, I would say, than, than the past couple and, and in general, a pretty eventful off season. But here's something that I was thinking about. And I think about this every year. Hmm. So when, before JT signed, uh, and we're still in that stage now with Trevor Bauer, who is still not signed with anybody, there are like five million rumors, right? Mm-hmm. About what what's going to happen, right? And this is this is specific rumors about them, but then there's trade rumors and this and that and the other, and it's a lot of fun, and and everybody talks about it and and freaks out about it and whatever. But then, whatever is going to happen, actually happens. So <laughs> JT resigns with the Phillies, and Trevor Bauer signs with whoever he's going to sign with and the Cardinals get uh, Nolan Arenado and all of those things actually happen. The end, what becomes of the millions and millions and millions of words that were written that are now meaningless, like literally meaning, like literally never needed to exist. (laughs) Like every single story about how Rio Muto was going to sign with the Braves or the Yankees or the Mets or whatever, those aren't like, oh, well, they were just wrong. Those stories are worthless. They're completely irrelevant to society. They never needed to exist. And it feels like 95% of what we read during this offseason is not just wrong. It's like, I am completely wasting my time because this isn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it's, I mean, it just, I, I don't know. It, it just strikes me as what a weird thing the whole, you know, sort of hot stove league thing is. It just, it's very strange. You're, you're absolutely right because you do sort of wish that those little articles could just somehow like pass on. They should just disappear. Yeah, like, they should like just Snapchats. go, yeah, or like. <laughs> Like Snapchats is much better. I think I was envisioning some sort of like afterlife for sports oh, journalism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where they just get to like meld back into the the lakes that reflect the majestic mountains and like become one again with nature. But yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's part of the reason why I wrote a couple of pieces uh, well, a couple of series about free agents. Um, yes. This delightful. Uh, oh, thanks. Um, uh, on the turf sports about shortstops and about relief pitchers, but I, I did not prognosticate about where they were going to land. I was sort of like, here are the teams that need somebody, and yes. then here are also the players, and here are the things about them. But like to but I me, I would say that story. See, like that kind of story still has a life afterward because the fact they didn't get say JT Rio Muto does not change the fact that they still need a catcher. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like, like there's those stories still, and, 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 you know, a lot of people do write stories on that level, but I'm talking about the flat out rumor mill stuff. I mean, think about what would Twitter even be without it? You know, it would, it would screech to a halt. 
It would well. It would. It would, it would, it would be, be even more political. Yeah, which would be, nothing yeah, but would... people hating Chris Pratt. <laughs> that would be all that it was would, left. It would basically, yeah, it would basically be uh, just uh, a whole lot of people uh, complaining about um, uh, Chris. Uh, what's his name? The uh, the Parks and Rec guy. Chris Basically, Pratt, that's what I just Chris said. Pratt. Oh, I didn't <laughs> yes, hear you. I said it would, I it would it. just be people hating Chris Pratt. Oh my God. Oh, our you training get that montage full credit for is that like joke. already, it's our brains are already starting to meld. They are. Well, and or or I should be listening to what you're saying rather than trying to come up with Chris Pratt's name. Uh, it's overrated. So, um, yeah, anyway, I, I don't know. It just seems to me like that's one of those things that, uh, <laughs> that uh, is very strange. The Phillies have been, I don't know, beyond... Beyond uh, JT uh, Rio Muto, who is, uh, who by the way, I think you said this earlier, but I don't, I don't feel uh, it, it was, it was. I properly uh, acknowledge this. Uh, his name is Jacob Tyler, Rio Muto, right? Yes. Did you, did you, you did refer to him by full name, did you not, or did you, I, did you come up with your own nickname? I, can, I have, I have like a, a Rolodex of nicknames for okay, give us JT some. Real Muto. Give us some of the JT nicknames. I mean, Jockstrap, Jockstrap Tycoon Real Muto was the sure. one that I posted in the, uh, in my Real Muto celebratory dance. And I think uh, Jockend Terroir uh, Real Muto was the one that I said earlier in this podcast. And I mean, justifiably thumped is like great anytime he hits a home run. Sure. Uh, or if he does something great in July, I will call him July Tiger Real Muto. I mean, I have more than I can even remember J- off Jur- the top of Juror my head. three? You don't have <laughs> I juror. I have never called him juror three. Yeah. He- well- I don't see why. I mean, that just feels in Twelve Angry Men. I'm excited. I am. I am writing that down right now because <laughs> you know I've got five more years of JT Realmuto doing oh. things and me, you know, needing to refer to him by new names. And so, Juror Three, this is great. And also the 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 quite quite excellent Twitter account uh, Fransky LA apparently made a note better than I did not take notes of my own JT Realmuto nicknames, um, but they have been writing them all down. So uh, eventually this will get over to them as well. That's exciting. Very good. It'll, 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 it'll it'll be a book. Uh, But the Phillies, that is, that is, I don't know. I mean, in addition, they seem eager to win uh, in relatively short order. They, they seem to be, aggressive to to a degree what what is your optimism level at the moment how high is that optimism level for your Phillies oh I think I'm more happy than I am optimistic okay <laughs> and I think but that's they beside Didi I know how much you love Didi yeah no I'm very well I I'm very happy about the signing of Didi like my heart is very happy because I, yeah. I feel like Didi is also one of those aura people yes very and much. And like, I really just wanted Didi to be able to play for Phillies fans in the stands at some point. Like if it doesn't happen this year, it will happen next year because just both the city of Philadelphia and also Didi Gregorius both deserve that wonderful confluence. And also he was quite excellent for the Phillies this past year. He uh, was. He was the, the team RBI leader. And like, I mean, I'm not wild about RBI as a stat, but like it's an, it's an indication of what happened on this particular team. Uh, the, the 
I know it's context dependent, but when the context is the team, uh, all the same team, he's still the guy who actually hit in the most runs. So that was useful. And, and I just think his aggressiveness kind of balancing, obviously, the sort of patient Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper approach and and JT Romuto is pretty balanced in that regard, I think is helpful. Obviously, like his lefty bat is helpful. All of these things, I think he's a great fit. On the other hand, like my mind is aware that he's by both outs above average and defensive run saved, not the best shortstop. Um, although the shortstop position was not responsible for the the most glaring uh, errors in the uh, Phillies team defensive run slaved for this past season, which were not great. Uh, not the best. Not the best. No, as a matter of fact, but like yet, the third worst. <laughs> but yet, I would say that if you are a Phillies fan, as you are, indeed, uh, you would not say that team defense was the biggest flaw of this, uh, no, of this team. No, 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 no. That I mean, no. obviously that would be the bullpen. And I mean, there's sort of a question there, given that like the Phillies BABIP was the highest, i.e. the worst in the league this past sure. year. And so I think some of that is perhaps subpar defense, but you know, some of it is also just that the everything was crushed off of basically every single Phillies reliever. So, yeah, it's a little hard to parse what what of that. Yeah, they also had, like, I think the highest home run to fly ball rate and just things like that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's not to say about Didi Gregorius that, like, Scott Kingery or Gene Segura were going to be better in that defensive position. Right. Um, so I'm happy that they signed a shortstop. The other thing I'm aware of with Didi is that just his his, like – Average exit velocity, which I know is sort of a problematic stat because it's an average, but still it was so low that it was like, well, actually, that is some information for us. And his hard hit rate was not great. But I'm just willing to, at least for right now, be like, the results were great, though, and his hard hit metrics were fine the year before. So, like, let's see what happens in a full season. Anyway. Well, it didn't look they – didn't, they didn't spend – uh, a crushing amount of money to no. make that happen. No, either. no, no. So I'm ta- like, I'm very, I'm so happy. I had nothing but joy to learn that Didi Gregorius was going to be on the Phillies for another couple of seasons, despite having these sort of like rational qualifiers to my joy. Uh, nevertheless, I've forgotten what the original question was. Well, I think the original question was, uh, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, if the Phillies were in the National League Central, oh yeah, rather they than would the win. East, they would win. I the Central. I think the Cardinals might still. Oh, that's true. The stupid Cardinals. But like, at least but, it would just be the Phillies and the stupid Cardinals. Whereas, I think it'd be the Phillies and the stupid. Card- I didn't realize that the, that the Cardinals also merited stupid. Um, I thought it was only stupid Braves. Uh. I mean, there's any number of teams that I will call stupid. <laughs> I'd certainly call the the Marlins are definitely stupid. I know that they're not stupid because Kim Ng, but this past year they were definitely the stupid Marlins because yeah, yeah, just because yeah. they decided to play the Phillies even though they had COVID, and then Corey Dickerson broke Reese Hoskins. So anyway, yeah, uh, no, they no. were the stupid Marlins uh, at least for a time. So yes, but now the stupid. I, Cardinals. Mostly, so I'm I, saying if if. It, the, yes, it is the stupid Braves, but if the Phillies were in a division with the Cardinals, it would be the stupid Cardinals. Do you know what I yes. mean? 
Like, well, no, no, that makes sense. Look, I think that the East, uh, you know, is pretty brutal. I mean, I don't yes. really expect the Marlins to, uh, to to be there. Uh, I I think that was pretty fluky uh, for me. They but, always beat the Phillies, though, not just well, this past year. That's but that's <laughs> but that's a whole other thing. It's true. Uh, but I do think the Mets have improved a lot. Uh, the Braves are really really good. I don't know what to make of Washington. Uh, I no, don't. Do I? I don't really buy into them. But you know, that's still a lot of talent there. But then you look at the Central, and I'm like, uh, you know, I think the Cubs are going to be really bad. I think they're going to take a pretty big step back. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm not buying the Brewers. I'm not. The Pirates are going to be the worst team in baseball. I think. Yep. They they and really are. I mean, I think they are. Yeah. I really believe that. And then the Reds are, you know. No. So, so also it's folding. It's yeah. Folding. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I just, I think that this year, if I could make an early prediction, and of course there's, I can't even make an early prediction that they're going to play much less an early prediction about how this thing is going to lay out. But it really does feel to me that this year there are going to be ultra competitive divisions like the, the, the American league East, I think is going to be ultra competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Toronto could play a role in that division based on them being super aggressive. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think uh, the uh, National League East is going to be super competitive. Uh, The West is going to not be super competitive, but I think those two teams, the the Dodgers and Padres, are really good. And maybe the Twins and White Sox are going to make it interesting in the America. I don't, I think Cleveland's going to fall off, but you know, we'll see, I guess. Um, I, I don't love the American league West at all. I, I don't know. It just feels to me like it's going to be, you're going to kind of find yourself in a situation where you need to be, you need to be lucky to be in the right division, especially if yeah. they don't expand the playoffs, which they might not. I don't have any idea what's going to happen with that. Yeah, well, I think this sort of goes to your earlier question about the Rockies. We understand what the Rockies are doing. They're looking at the Dodgers and the Padres and saying, oh, my God, no way. Let's just <laughs> let's just run in the other direction. And so it would make so much sense for the Phillies to have done the same thing. And I think that that's part of the reason why, of course, not foreseeing specifically Francisco Lindor, but foreseeing things, certainly like the Mets having a splashy offseason one way or another. Like things felt very grim for me vis-a-vis the Phillies earlier in the offseason, as as we'll recall. I think I had a very kind of depressed appearance on the podcast. And I mean, I think that in some ways a real PR coup that the Phillies have done this offseason is that expectations were so low and we were so beaten down. And then we got Dave Dombrowski and we're kind of like, oh, well, what now, now, now what's going to happen? And, you know, then the Mets signed James McCann. And then all of a sudden, like things started to look a little bit brighter, but could we, could we dare to hope? And so in fact, the things that I was simply like average angry at them for not doing last <laughs> offseason, like signing JT Real Muto to an extension. I'm instead I'm like, Phillies, please let me just kiss you 
organization like a bodiless <laughs> thing please i'm so happy and you even got me dd gregorius and you got me archie bradley yes i mean chase anderson why not you know because like the expectations were so low but i think legitimately this is i and granted of course this is very biased and like the phillies are my life partner but I think it's admirable, like admirable in in a billionaire kind of a way for John Middleton, because he's not, I think, just thinking about winning the division, though, obviously, you know, he got Dave Dombrowski. They're going to try to contend. But I think he's thinking about making the fan base happy. This is not totally altruistic. He wants to sell tickets when of tickets course. can be sold. But that's good. He wants to give the fans, the players that they want to show up to see. Like, it's fine if capitalism is driving that desire. But there are so many other franchises who, yes, are smaller market teams, but still they look at their divisions and say, we can't do this. Like, it would have been so easy to just be like, look, we are, there's no way we're competing with the Braves and the Mets now. This is, this is impossible. And well, I, yeah, no, I think all of that's right. Uh, I think, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I was on a uh, podcast with, um, I'm not going to remember his name, sadly, but he is a more Eric like a Fisher. financial, it's like a financial uh, podcast. And uh, the guy is a financial, uh, I think he, I think he's a, a guy who's made a lot of money as an investor, I his think. His name and, is JP and, Morgan. <laughs> and his name is actually it wasn't a podcast it was a sales call now that i think of it with with a, a member of jp morgan no it was uh i, I don't remember but charles what schwab. i do remember is it was it was not charles schwab <laughs> uh so what i anyway we were talking about uh he wanted me on there because he wanted to talk about this notion of what makes a good owner mm. he's a mets fan and he was trying to say you know, because i think in the financial community, and and for those people who understand what the heck is going on with GameStop, would have a better <laughs> feel for this than I do. Oh Lord! Uh, but in the financial community, Stephen A. Cohen is not necessarily viewed uh, in the best of light. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been involved in many things, but as a Mets fan, the point he was trying to make was he loved Steve Cohen because you know Steve Cohen was going to spend money, and he was interested in what the fans thought and that's basically all we really want from we don't particularly care if uh they are uh breaking any number of laws as as you know billionaires and and cutting people out uh as long as they are willing to sign good players and and listen to what the fans say and you know i i, I don't know that it goes i don't know how far that goes I mean, I think that there's there are limits to to mm -hmm. what that can be. However, uh, it goes pretty far. So so I thought that when the Phillies hired uh, Dave Dombrowski, it was a very clear sign that hey, we're gonna try to win mm -hmm. like now because you know Dave Dombrowski is not a kid and he's not gonna be here very long. And I hired him to win a World Series very very quickly. So, you know, if you're a Phillies fan, it's kind of what you want. I mean, you don't want Dave Dabrowski to leave your 
your entire system in disarray the way the Red Sox are and and suddenly yeah there's not much of a system there though as I believe we've discussed (laughs) no he he had a much more of a system to destroy in Boston uh but he also won a World Series very quickly and I and I've talked to Boston fans I'll be curious to see what you think of this would you trade one World Series for let's say being realistic with the with the Red Sox. They've had two pretty dreadful years. I'd say they're probably lined up for three or four more. So would you would you take seven years of pain for one World Series? I think I already have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but it wasn't your choice. And it was two pennants, though. You won two pennants. Yes, this is fair. In in that stretch. And look, you lost that second World Series uh to to a team that shall not be named and and I've never forgiven your team for doing that. Um, but but the point I'm making is, would you trade one? Because that was a true one-shot deal. They weren't good before, and they weren't good yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. One-shot deal, would you trade seven years of pain on the, on the opposite end? The, the stuff leading up, you don't get to count that. So would you trade a 2022 Phillies World Series with the knowledge that they would not be good again at least until 2029. Yes. All right. Yeah. Seven years feels like a very fair deal. If if you were like, and then they will never be good again in your lifetime or something, then I would be like, no, I will not no, take no, that deal. Not in your but yeah, life. seven no, years. It's, yeah. it's the breaking a mirror uh, thing. Great. Right? Isn't that seven years of bad luck? Yes. Breaking a mirror? Yeah. 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 So I, Absolutely. It's, it, I that's that. what we're talking about. I guess I would. I've always been really here's the question has always been placed to me like this. If you could have a team that would win seven straight pennants uh, or the seven straight division Mm. titles Mm -hmm. like the Braves, Mm -hmm. would you rather be the Braves uh, from 1991 to 2014 or whatever it was or 2004 rather, right? Where they won 14 consecutive whatever's. Uh, and one World Series. Would you rather be them, or would you rather be the Giants, where they're bad, they're good, they're bad, they're good, but they win three World Series and then they're bad? I mean, I, I guess you I, would rather be the Giants. No, right? I would rather be the Braves. Oh, interesting. Yes, interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if it, yes, if if I could have my team be excellent for a long time I don't I mean I don't even really know what that would quite be like but like yes that's what I would prefer especially as long as you've got like a world series in there so that not every single season ends in that particular brand of like postseason tears but, but it is but you but pretty much every season is going to end if you're the Braves they had the one year in 95, obviously, when they beat uh, Cleveland. Uh, I'm not talking about that. And yeah, and then and then that's it. I mean, they were in other World Series. Uh, they lost the crushing 96 World Series. I still can't believe they lost that one, where they won the first two games in Yankee Stadium and still managed to lose the series. They got destroyed by the Yankees in 99, I guess. And, and that's it. And it's basically was a decade of real heartbreak for that team. I don't know. Would you would you rather have that than three World Series titles and nothing in between? I would I would rather have that. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I think that speaks to 
I think that speaks to some depth. I, I don't, I don't, as a fan, because I think most people, maybe I'll put this up as a poll on, on Twitter. Uh, I think most people would rather take the three World Series. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, I maybe. Yeah, but it's not what I'd prefer. Yeah, I just, I really, I don't know. It's like, I just, I want my team to be good. I understand that, like, nevertheless, things can Things cannot break your way in the postseason. But, like, I love the 2011 Phillies, even though they ended up bowing very quickly to the stupid Cardinals. And in this case, I do call them the stupid Cardinals. You know what I mean? Like, I loved that team so yeah. much. And they were so good. So, like, I'm still so proud of them. And I'm so proud of that team because they were really good. Like, that's what I really want is for my team to be really good. I, and then I understand that like there are vagaries of luck and and baseball and I just yeah I don't want them to just lose because their bullpen and their defense is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I it's it's I think it's I had a friend once who I, I presented a similar uh, a similar I might have done it with football I can't remember uh, but I did a similar thing like would you rather have your team be really good for a decade? And, you know, not win or, or win once and, and bring you a lot of heartbreak. Or would you rather your team be like really bad, but win a couple of times? So I, I remember and and his answer was they don't give T-shirts for American League East champion. Which is true. They don't. They don't make you don't get like there's no memorabilia for winning the division. But I feel like there should be. <laughs> but there should be. But, there, you know, I once had this conversation with um, Billy Bean where we thought that baseball should give a trophy to the team that has the best record mm. in baseball. Ah, right? I love and, it. Yeah, no, because that's, what, of course, what they do in Europe, right, and in England with soccer and all this. But that there should be like, okay, you can have the playoffs. But if you have the best record, you get like a trophy. You get like you are, you win the Hank Aaron trophy. I mean, I guess there is a Hank Aaron trophy. There, every trophy should be named after Henry Aaron. So you get Please. the Henry Aaron trophy as the best team uh, or whatever you want to call it, the Casey Stengel trophy or whatever, uh, or the Billy Bean trophy <laughs> if, since he came up with it. Um, and and it's awesome. And then, and then you could, you can make T-shirts, you could fly pennants, like, you know, three-time winner of the Billy Bean Trophy or whatever. And uh, and it would be great. Uh, how and is this not a thing? I want this to baseball, be a thing. I'll tell you why. And this, is, this will be our final topic because I think this is well worth discussing. So, of course, right now, there is a big debate going on in baseball about um, expanded playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> the owners obviously want... Uh, expanded playoffs. It's it's financially uh, a huge, huge, huge uh, deal for them. It's it's kind of the whole thing is kind of sad. They 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 split the television money thirty ways. So even if you're not a good team and have no you know no playoff experience, no chance of getting the playoffs, you still get that playoff money, which is ridiculous in my view. But anyway. Um, they really, really want expanded playoffs. The players, I don't know that the players are thoroughly opposed to it, but they want to get a lot in return for expanded playoffs. It's it's one of the few uh, chips that they have. Mm -hmm. 
that they, they can use in negotiations. So what we have seen over the last few weeks is baseball kind of trying to bully its way into expanded playoffs in 2021. And, you know, with these sort of half promises, of, you know, we'll all renegotiate on, you know, completely after the year, which is, you know, it never works that way once you've actually done something. Yeah. And, and also what they've offered in return is like the universal DH, which baseball wants also. It's not, that's not something that only the players want. Um, and a couple of other smaller, they were going to reduce the season to 154 and, but still pay them for a full year. It was no, they, it was going to be prorated. They, they no, sold no, I it as like they, a full salary, but no, it was going to be prorated to 154 instead of 162 games. Oh, I, I thought at the end that the final agreement they said was that they were going to get full salary, uh, not per game. They were going to get uh, full season. Okay, maybe, maybe I I'm misunderstood. Wrong. Yeah. No, maybe I'm wrong. I, but that 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 was my understanding of the final deal. It doesn't really matter because the the players didn't even respond. Essentially, they just said no, and and you know, and then people in baseball were like, well, "Why didn't they counter?" It's like, "Well, what's why would they? Why would they counter?" I mean, there's 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 no this isn't there's no negotiation now. The negotiation is going to come at the end of the year yeah. when when they're talking about this. Anyway, getting back to the point. Clearly, this is where baseball wants to go, and this is where baseball has been going for years, which is expanded playoffs, expanded playoffs, tremendous uh, emphasis on October baseball uh, at whatever cost necessary for the regular season. That has been baseball's sort of direction for 25 years, going back to when they first put in the wild card. Now, I personally, uh, along with uh, like three friends uh, in the entire world don't like playoffs. Don't like that idea. And, you know, look, I love playoffs because it's baseball, but I've been saying all along that nothing to me beats a pennant race. I would so much rather see a pennant Mm. race that matters than watch uh, a three game series between, you know, two teams that don't, you know, one team that belongs and one team that doesn't. And like none of that, like it, it, I so desperately want the regular season to matter because that's what baseball to me has always been about. It's always been the one sport where the regular season is the only Mm -hmm. thing that really matters. And then, you know, get to the playoffs. Of course you want to win the world series, but you know, to get there is, is, is what is at the heart of, of the game. That's clearly not the direction they're going. I've I've long given up on trying to fight that fight because that's just not. And most people, I think, don't want what I want. Most people want, uh, you know, exciting baseball surprises, big moments, and you know, in the postseason, and 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 uh, you know, short series that that uh, you know, if, if you knock out the best team in baseball that over 162 games, great. You know, that's an upset and a surprise and. Uh, I don't like it, but I think that's where we're going. Hmm. How do you feel? I I feel mixed about it, to be honest. I understand that some of the sort of labor implications of the expanded playoffs are the idea that if it's easier to get into playoffs, then the teams will not spend as much money on their payroll. You know, they'll think, oh, they don't have to. yeah, we don't, don't have, have to. to. We don't have to be quite as good in order to make it to the postseason and therefore like sell our 
postseason shirts, even if they're not World Series shirts. And so like that makes me uncomfortable. And I'm right. I pretty much always side with labor as a sort of a, like a pro union person, but you know also just generally like I think our discussion about the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire like these things are not yes. equal, and so there's that. But as a as a fan purely, I love the regular season. Obviously, I'm a weirdo. And I also love the postseason. I love postseason baseball. I get so excited for postseason baseball, regardless of whether or not my team is involved. Like I make for myself a little like flow chart of like who am I rooting for in every single sure. matchup. I love it. I love postseason baseball. And I was really excited about the expanded playoffs this year. I think particularly because it was a shortened season and we got less baseball. But also, oh, yeah. to me, it made, and this is also because it was a shortened season and we had less baseball, but it made, like, September, which of course was half of the season, really exciting. You know, but it made, like, there were games the last day of the season that were determining who was going to be in the playoffs or not. And I thought that that was also a benefit to the sport, for me, for my like just pure fan experience that is just like selfishly thinking about like, ah, how do I consume this thing? So yeah, that's why I feel mixed about it. But I do feel very strongly that like I don't want the players to give up any bargaining chip that they have. No, you know, it makes perfect no. sense to me that they're just not going to give MLB what they want because they they have things that they're they're really going to need in terms of you know rethinking the way that players get paid now that teams are savvier and stuff like that and the old structure really isn't working and so they're going to need right. everything that they can get in their arsenal no question no question well look i think that part of the reason that the union is would be opposed is directly part of the reason why I think uh, I don't like it. And that is not specifically, I mean, look, I don't like the fact that, that they would hide, they would get fewer, you know, fewer players would get opportunities because frankly, all you need to do is there's a much lower bar to clear mm -hmm. in an expanded playoffs. And once you're in an expanded playoffs, especially a playoff set up the way last year's was, you kind of have the same shot as everybody. I mean, you know, you would hope last year it worked out, that the two best teams, I think, in, mm -hmm. in each league ended up uh, winning, uh, but but I I don't. That's very rare, and it's 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 not common, and I, you know. So I think that that part of me, of course, is like you know that that's bad for the players, but it's also, I think it's anti-competitive. I I think that that part of what made baseball so different from other sports and so magical in its own way was the fact that you had to be good to make the playoffs. <laughs> you had to be, you yeah. had to be a really good team. And it, sometimes when you were a really good team, you still didn't make the playoffs. You know, the giants won 103 games or whatever in 91 or 92 and, and, and lost out and did not get into the playoffs. It it's just maybe it was later. I think it was that. Now that I think of it, I think it was Dusty. So ninety three maybe. Um, but my point being that 
it's it's not just that players are like oh well this there are fewer opportunities it's also teams are trying less yeah they're just there's they there's just so much lower a bar to clear look that's one always been my biggest issue with the Giants winning those three World Series and I give them tremendous credit and all all those teams were fun and 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 interesting and and I didn't root against any of those teams I rooted I mean I you know wanted to see the the Royals beat them uh but but I liked all of those teams that team was not the best team in baseball I didn't think any of those years yeah I really didn't feel like they were the best team in baseball any of those years and the Royals were not the best team in the American League, by the way, the year they played them. Um, but they got hot in the playoffs, and and it's fun. And I'm not I, – I realize that's what a lot of people like. I liked the idea that you had to be the best team in order to get the you – know, And then randomness reward. takes over a little bit. Yeah. Then, yeah, but it's a smaller amount of randomness, right? Yeah. I mean, it's random. Back when there were only four teams in the playoffs, it was random, but it was it – was, all four teams you would expect were, were really good. And and look, I know we're never going back to that. I'm not in even suggesting we're going back to that because we're not. But what I will say is I think that you, uh, being the just wonderful human being that you are, are different than most people in that I <laughs> don't think most people care about the postseason if their team's not involved. I don't. I think most people turn off mm. to, to it's, it's for them the season. And look, it's very easy to see this because baseball is the number one show on television in like 15 different markets, you know, uh, and, and if not the number one show on television, number two or number three in basically every market in base in, in the in the entire mm. country when you're talking about, you know. Whether you, in Kansas City it's number one, and in, in you know LA's had its own its own issues with television, but you know to put it mildly, <laughs> just put it mildly. But all of these different places, whether it's Houston, whether it's it's uh, which also by the way had its problems with television, uh, whether it's you know Atlanta, whether it's Philadelphia, whether it's Boston, whether it's uh, Dallas, baseball is during the year. It is. It is the best reality show going, mm -hmm. and it's the one everybody watches. But then when that team is out, I think for a vast percentage of the people, reality show over. That's it. It's gone. And now the Rangers are not playing, and the Royals are not playing, and the Brewers are not playing. And, you know, yeah, there are baseball fans that are still going to care, but the 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 huge majority of people will not and i think this is what baseball sees mm -hmm. and realizes they've got to extend it i don't blame them for seeing that i don't blame them for for doing what they need to do i just feel like we we don't talk enough about what we're losing and what baseball is losing and you know i like i say i don't expect them to go back and i wouldn't want them necessarily to go back i don't know that going back would make any I don't think it would be a positive mm -hmm. in the in the long run, but that doesn't mean that I can't sit here and feel sorry for myself and remember the days when when you needed to be a good team to make the playoffs and and uh, uh, you know I think that's I think that's going away and you know well we'll see I mean I, I don't well, feel I, like I, we, look, I you think th you think it's pretty I, much the writing is on the wall that this is going to happen yes yes yeah. I think there's no question I don't think we that we might not have postseason 
expanded postseason this year. That's the way it's looking. I don't know because, as you might remember, they announced expanded postseason last year, like, what, three days before <laughs> it started or something? Um, so, yeah, there's there's always a possibility, depending on how this year plays out, crowds, no crowds, etc. cetera. Um, you know, I don't know how it's going to play out. But – I have no doubt in my mind there'll be expanded playoffs going forward because I, like I say, I think it's the one thing that the players have to to negotiate mm-hmm. with. Not the only thing; they've got other stuff. I'm, it's it's not like they're completely barren here, uh, but it's the main thing. It's the big thing. I think they have to negotiate with, and I think they got to put it on the table to try to get this system somewhat squared and. Uh, so I think the writing is on the wall. I think that's where we're going. Yeah. And I think it's going to be big. I think it's going to be 16. I don't I don't even think it's going to be like 14 or whatever. I think it's going to be 16 teams like it was last year. I think more than half the teams in baseball are going to uh going to be in the postseason and I think we'll have lost something. And whether people agree with that or not, I I understand there's certainly reasons that 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 it has to happen. But uh, I think we'll have lost something. I agree that we'll have lost something. I mean, I think we'll have gained something as well, and not just sort of as a as in terms of revenue or things like that. You know, I think well, October will be fun. And be October will be great. Yeah, and I think September might be more fun too. And it's true that I mean, when I when I think about you know my my like real first baseball memory I had been to many baseball games but the first thing that I remember really clearly speaking of like teams that maybe shouldn't have made it to the World Series was the (laughs) 1993 Phillies and and like that was so magical for me and I, I guess that's part of why like yeah just like I just want my team to be in the postseason and then if they don't end up winning the world series like it was still it was just like an experience of of joy joe carter aside for me and so like yeah i just i don't know i want i want little kids to be able to watch their you want more teams in the playoffs so more fans are happy more fans are happy yeah Yeah. or at least like i'm not saying i i want that and therefore i am lobbying for an expanded postseason but no i understand i'm willing to take that as if this is the thing that's going to happen and we're going to lose these things that are real and i agree with you on that that like at least we will also get this benefit is i guess sort of how i view feel about it yeah look i don't disagree with that i mean and and i do you know i just said what what i really believe which is that i think team player uh, fans more than ever relate only to their local team they don't relate to the game as a whole uh as much as they relate to their local team and when that's the case uh, which is not true, by the way, of the NBA or the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think those sports are more national. They just are. And, uh, you know, I think a perfect example is if you are an NBA fan and tonight the the Celtics are playing the, the Bucks or the Lakers are playing the Clippers or, you know, New Jersey, you know, not Brooklyn, I, I'm going to – Keep calling them New Jersey. <laughs> Brooklyn is playing, you know, Charlotte. You're an NBA fan and you might not live in any of those cities. You might watch that game. I mean, I, I think there's a decent chance you're going to watch that game because you relate to a certain player. You relate to a certain style. You want to see how LeBron is going to do whatever yeah, the case yeah. may be. Uh, NFL, of course, we all know that. I mean, you know, Sunday Night Football is the number one show on television. 
and and that is uh you know that never almost never has your team i mean your team if if you're the eagles fan or you're a you're a browns fan or you're a, a cowboys fan you know maybe maybe once a year but you're going to watch anyway because it's the nfl sunday night baseball gets no ratings nothing nobody's i mean it gets the local fans you know and i'm not i mean me. i am yes i am you are we're going to watch a Brewers Rockies game because we're like, oh yeah, yeah that, that's they never that's put an the Brewers and the Rockies on Sunday night. Right, baseball. we're it's gonna watch. We used to watch it to watch Nolan Arenado, but now we'll we'll watch you know Trevor Story, whatever. We're we're there. We're we're watching that game. Most America's not. Yeah. I mean, most of America's baseball fans are not, and and so with that in mind, you know maybe this is the only way they can go, which is hey, let's. Let's try to keep these seasons going as long as possible. Let's make the end even bigger crapshoot. And who knows, you know, maybe, you know, maybe your team is going to go 85 and, and 77 and and going to, uh, you know, slip by the number one seed. And then suddenly, boom, 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 they're in the World Series and your whole town is celebrating and they're not very good, but they caught it at the right time and. You know, like I say, that does not appeal to me sort of as a historical baseball fan, mm-hmm. but I get it and I get the joy that comes with it. So, yeah. And I almost feel like it, we're just going to have to see almost the first few years that we get expanded playoffs when we get them. If it sort of turns out the way that this postseason did, you know, well, maybe it's actually it true that kind of like the the upper echelon of teams that would have been their respective division winners would have will clean up anyway and sort of like the second tier of teams will be obviously less good than the first tier of teams and whoever would have won will nevertheless just the cream will rise to the top it's possible i mean i think in some ways i'm almost hoping that we'll get a little bit more randomness than we did this past postseason see that's the thing that's but that's i think that's where i get I think people root for randomness and I think I root for order in baseball. <laughs> okay. That's that's my problem. I, I root for randomness and everything else. But in baseball, I think, hey, that's why you play 162 games. And so at the end, you know who the best team is. I mean, if, if, if you won't, if you didn't care, then play 120 games. What do you need to play 162 games for? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's such a long season that I want order at the end. But – one thing I've heard somebody in the game say, and I I did not buy it at all, but it's interesting. This person believes that expanding the playoffs will actually bring more order because the number one seed and number two seeds and number three seed even will be playing significantly worse teams mm-hmm. than they would have previously. Mm-hmm. Like previously, they would have played the winner of the wild card game, the number one seed, and the wild card team is heck. The wild card team could have the second best record in 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 baseball. Yeah. You don't know, but I mean, generally they're fourth or fifth in 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 record. But that's still a really good team. You're playing the eighth best team. Um, maybe maybe you're a lot better than that team. Maybe you're going to definitely beat that team, or you're going to beat that team a very high percentage of the time. Yeah. And his argument is. Once you win that first series, you're going to get rolling. 
and and that there's going to be a momentum thing that I don't fully buy into, and I know you don't either. Yeah. But but that the idea of you know, hey, you know, you're in the second round now, and and we did see that this past year. I mean, he's not wrong in the sense of that's what happened this past year. The number one seeds in both uh, in both leagues, um, you know, kind of just started rolling a little bit and you know it's in and of course they're going to run into some tough series and all that but it it was striking that the number one seeds in both leagues won and it, and it was the first time in how long in like years mm-hmm. and years that it had happened so yeah i don't know maybe he's right yeah maybe he's right and i'm just enough of a nerd to just be really interested to see what happens <laughs> you know whether or no. not that no i'm serious like whether or not that that ends up happening you oh, know what I, I mean? That whether or not actually it sort of bears out rather more order than than chaos. But I really feel like what this is bringing me back around to is that we should have a trophy for the team with the best oh, record because then then we have a trophy for order and a trophy for chaos. And I think that people like if you did it right that. Like it would be a, a matter of city pride yeah. to win that trophy. Like that trophy would matter. I don't know if we could really make people care about that trophy, but I'd want to. I'd want to try to make people care about that trophy. And you have the best record, and and people would remember. Like they'd be like, "Oh yeah, the winner of the of the Billy Bean Trophy in two thousand four was blank." You know, and it would it would matter. You know, and by the way, your Phillies would have won. They, yeah, they would have won. The 2011 Phillies would have won that that Billy Bean Trophy. Yeah, yeah, and I would be able to hold that up, and people wouldn't be. You confused. would have a shirt. There's I would no definitely question. have a shirt. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Billy Bean Trophy. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and. You've got your neighbor's best friend's login (laughs) for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. Yes. No annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. This episode is brought to you by BetMGM. Sign up today with BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic, and get a $1,000 risk free first bet. Plus, Get a free three-month subscription to The Athletic. Just sign up at betmgm.com slash theathleticpod, that's P-O-D, to take advantage of this special offer from the kings of sportsbooks. That's betmgm.com slash theathleticpod, P-O-D. New customer offer, paid in bonus dollars. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Cue the disclaimer. 
Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right. All right. It's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast was. And uh, let you go first. What you got? So my one last meaningless thing, uh, it's, it's about, in essence, in one way, it's about the fact that my husband, Eric, is the best human. He's so delightful. Uh, yes, just the best human. Like the best husband, obviously, but also like the best human of any gender attached or unattached. <laughs> He's the best. And uh, just- I've always said that. Gender neutral, no matter where, no matter where you stand on gender, Eric is the best. He's the best. He's the absolute best. Yes. And- uh, just in like the past 24 hours, I was, I was taping for an audition and he spent, uh, I had many different scenes to tape for this large audition and he spent the morning before he had to go to work taping the audition for me. And then I had other things to do and I came home and I watched it and I was like, this is not good enough. And so, uh, when he came home at midnight, he taped with me even more. He is the best person. This is not my one last meaningless thing because it is not meaningless that he is the best person. No, it's not. My one last meaningless thing is about the intense, intense irony that life always provides us through a story about my husband. And for Christmas, Eric and I had asked for uh, a new bookcase because we were in the stacks of books phase of living in our apartment and we sure. realized we could get rid of a piece of furniture and make space for a bookcase uh sure. for a new bookcase to be clear like we already had four bookcases so through one thing and another this bookcase though ordered did not arrive until a couple of weeks ago i guess uh and then it sat around for a week until we could both have time to put it together together and then one morning I rose to find that Eric was already putting the bookcase together because that is the kind of human that he is. He is perfect. Yes. And I was even like, oh, no, like I have these other things that I had to do this morning. Like I've got to get this writing done before my writing meeting and I have this audition or whatever. And Eric was like, that's no problem. I'll just put it together. So he put the whole bookcase together himself and we got it in place. And I... Yes, I did my part by like reorganizing all of our books so that now they're arranged by subject matter, which is deeply satisfying to me. But anyway, the one last meaningless thing is actually that the very next day after Eric had just put this bookcase together that we'd been expecting to come into our lives for like over a month, he got an audition 
the following day that had this direction, this and this only. And I'm reading this verbatim from the text message that he sent me. Okay. Please show the following scene, colon. You're lifting and assembling furniture in a friendly and tolerant manner. And the irony is, of course, no one is better at lifting and assembling furniture in a friendly and tolerant manner than my husband. And it would have been very easy to film him putting together our bookcase, except for it was already done and had organized books on it. This is life. And did you... Did you then dismantle the bookcase so he could re-put it back No, together? I sort of offered. I was like, I don't know. Do you want me to like take the... He was like, oh, God, no, no. <laughs> you know, because he'd spent a whole morning putting the bookcase together. I mean, this is also commercial auditions, especially now that they're self-tapes. So commercial auditions were always like, we would like to see you communicating with a dolphin. Please have the dolphin in the frame with you. <laughs> and it used to be like this was the casting director's job to figure out how are we going to have the actor talking with the dolphin where the client would also like to see the dolphin in the same frame. But now like it's us. It's our problem at home to figure out how to to basically fulfill these, I would say, almost unrealistic demands. <laughs> so delightful. <laughs> I hope he got the part. I mean, that's the thing is I was like, do you just like, I wish that a a recommendation would work, you know, that I could be like, this is his <laughs> wife. He just put this book taste together. He was so friendly and tolerant while he did it. I promise you, no one is more friendly and tolerant than this man. We've been in like more or less quarantine with just each other for like a year. I promise you. Um, this is why you and Eric should literally film every single time. I guess so. Just constantly, just live a Truman Show existence where you film everything and that way, that way you wouldn't even have to do auditions. You would always have already done it at some point. No. I mean, I hope we'd, (laughs) yeah, because like for me, the whole point of being an actor is to like get to be somebody else. Right. So yeah, I would hope that my life would not provide enough Oh, footage I think, I think as to whether or not I could. No, no, I think like they, you, they would want 1920s you like 1920s poet. No, that's right. Like a 1920s poet, or they'd want you to be like an FBI agent. I just feel like your life is that kind of exciting where you would just have. Oh yeah, well I was actually uh, doing some crime work the other day, and here's the film of that. Uh, I think it would be really good. By the way, the word, the expression. You know, we uh, for those of you who might have missed it, <laughs> which would be all of you, I would hope. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we did the podcast and I talked about how I am uh, spending more time trying to uh, bring back uh, 1930s and 40s expressions. Yes, I was. That was me. I was on that. I was on that podcast. Yes. No, I said that. Yes. We, oh, you and OK. Me, we All right. I thought that together. was like yes. the general, the general. <clears throat> no, podcast. no, no. This was yes. you and me did yes. this. Uh, I have been doing a lot of uh, why I oughta. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of that with the kids. Uh, so great just, just just yeah it's good it's good yeah, so great and 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 they love it as you, might, <laughs> as you might imagine they nothing makes them happier than seeing me bring out a 1930s thing by the way that is my dog Hi, wesley. Uh, wesley who is barking in the background uh even though i'm sitting in a pitch black room i have literally no idea what he's barking at <laughs> but uh 
but that's he can, that's our dog. Yeah. Uh, he can smell um, the danger. My right, my I'm new now, favorite I, mid-century phrase is "Holy Toledo." Holy Toledo. Yeah. So if you want to if you want to use that, uh, yeah, I like we're it. applicable. I, like I mean, it. maybe why I oughta is has more. I just like it. It's just, in your life. It, yeah. No, it does. It it really because it's with with my daughters just constantly just like. <laughs> Why I oughta. Uh, all right. I'm going to do my one last meaningless thing, but first there is going to be a quick pause while I get my dog out of here. Here we go. Watch this. Okay. Watch this. I can't watch. It's a podcast, and also you're in a pitch dark room. I wonder if this is going to be edited out. I think I'm delighted and I'm, in either case. And I'm back. <laughs> Great. I had a small monologue. I'm glad. I'm glad you filled the time. I, I don't know what you said, but uh, I, I, I was a, it was a reverie as to whether or not it was going to be edited out. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Nothing gets edited Great. out. Great. Nothing gets edited out of this podcast. Um, uh, my one less meaningless thing is uh, truly meaningless. I don't like. Well, well let me let me start it this way. <laughs> Quite often during uh, our viewing uh, of a movie or a television show or something, we will come mm-hmm. across an actor uh, and we will say, hey, she was in, and we will not remember what she was in, uh, but we will know in our minds as people, you know, I, I hope this is an experience that everybody who is, is uh, listening has had, will think, oh, yeah, 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 she was in this or she was in that. And we can't remember what it was. And we can't remember her name. And we can't remember anything. But within seconds, we can just go and uh, on Google or IMDb or something, find out who that person is and what they've been in. Right? So mm. it's super easy to fill, fill that void of what that person, who that person is. And what that person has been in. And then there's always this moment where you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. She was the bartender and the this and the that. Okay. I have felt for the last couple of years since this has been, uh, you know, ubiquitous, since people have, have been able to do this, that we were sort of losing something with this. <laughs> much mm. much of the same ways that I feel that we're losing something with baseball playoffs, right? Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, like I'm suddenly anti-technology. I just feel like that moment of discovery when you actually remember where you saw that person rather than like, if you see it, you're like, oh yeah, but there's not this sort of elation that you have when you finally put together who that actor is and where you have seen them. Like that moment is so wonderful and so joyous, but I don't have the patience to actually do it. I'm the first person to go to IMDb to find out where that person was and, and how I know that person. So, uh, so this has been going on for, you know, for a while. And, and the other day we were watching WandaVision, the, the new, uh, show on, uh, Disney plus, uh, which is excellent. They say Holy Toledo in that show. I, I don't believe they do say Holy Toledo. They do. Oh, they do. You're yes. right. You're right. Yes. I've only seen a couple of episodes, but they said Holy Toledo, and I was like, oh it's my God, so, Holy Toledo. It's so good. I'm, we love it. Yeah. And in that uh, show, uh, the actor uh, Randall Park is in that show. And uh, we were looking at Randall Park and saying, where do we know him from? And we went to the IMDb page, 
and saw <clears throat> that he was in um like one of the Ant-Man movies. And we're like, oh yeah, yeah. That's where we saw him. We saw him. He was an FBI director in the Ant-Man movie, which obviously just continues on into WandaVision, right? It's all part of the same universe. Yeah, we've probably seen him. He's a comedian, I think, and we've seen him and whatever. And that was the end of it. And that was sort of the typical IMDb moment where it's like, okay, it's that's not super satisfying, uh, but fine. Now, at least I know who that is and, and where we've seen him. In the middle of the night after watching this show, <laughs> I woke up and it hit me instantly where I had seen Randall Park, where we had seen Randall Park. And it was not on his IMDb page because it was uh, it was too small a role. Uh, Randall Park was Asian Jim in The Greatest Prank Ever Pulled on The Office, where uh, Randall Park pretends to be Jim on the show and fools Dwight into believing that he is Jim, uh, which includes the amazing line where he says, you're not Jim, Jim's not Asian. And, and, and Randall Park says something to the effect of, Hey, good for you for not seeing color. So it's, it's wonderful. It is in my view, the absolute best prank pulled by Jim on Dwight is, is the Asian Jim prank. And I was so excited having remembered and put that together that he, I literally wanted to go into my daughter's rooms. It was like three in the morning. I wanted to wake them up to tell them that I had figured out who Randall Park was and that he was Asian Jim. It was such a moment of joy for me. I did not wake them up. However, I did tell them early the next morning when they woke up and they were both delighted and excited beyond measure and told me to the point like, Oh, you should have woken us up. Cause that is so awesome. <laughs> and, and it has now occurred to me that IMDB really is doing a tremendous disservice to us that that bit of joy that I'd gotten, uh, I will get one. Cause you'll almost mm. never run across somebody that, that you won't be able to figure out on their, on their IMDB page where you saw them. Like, this was just a little bit thing that he did on The Office. So, what? I mean, maybe it's on his page, but I didn't see it. I'm sure it. it's on his, like, extended yeah, right, credits. But right. then you you find the thing where you saw them in, and then you're like, oh, problem solved. Right, right. You just like, look that's in that, where like, I saw most, them, and you don't keep scrolling. Right, you look yeah. in that most famous four section, right? That's Because that's almost always where you've seen him, is in one of those four movies that they're showing you. Oh, right I always go to all filmography. <laughs> that's <'cause laughs> well, only if I Only if the four, for me, it's only if, like, if it doesn't click to me, like, oh, yeah, that's where. Then I will try to go deeper. And sometimes you find something deeper. And that's a little bit more sort of satisfying because at least you've done a little bit of work. But I cannot tell you how excited I was to figure this out. I cannot even begin to describe. It's like it's like the third best thing that's happened to me since pandemic. I mean, it was like, it was a very, very exciting moment for me to figure out that Randall Park was Asian Jim and put that together for myself. So I'm just saying that here we go. Uh, this is me on, on my, on my, what we've lost rant, but I just feel like that IMDb has taken a little bit of joy. It's brought great joy, no question, but it's also taken away a little bit of joy because, because we don't have that 
feeling of discovery that uh, that we used to. Yeah, well, let me also posit that it is perhaps because we live in a world in which we are constantly able to access the information that we need at our fingertips immediately, immediately that the experience of organically remembering something is now so rare yeah, to you that's true. that like if we didn't have that it would you still would have been really happy oh my god i remembered where we saw the guy but it wouldn't have been like such an extraordinary experience for you if we weren't accustomed to having no, that's right. the thing that brings us joy no, that's perhaps. right i'm constantly like that i am i am at the point where like the most basic words in the world will elude me and Same. i will find myself going have you heard me on this podcast <laughs> what's that yeah well said, no, have I'm you heard just, me on this podcast? i'm talking about not even i'm not even talking about like speaking like in speaking i forget words all the time i'm talking about like i'm trying to write and i'm like what's that word for the place where you live and then i'll go to like to like a thesaurus and and yes. type in a word that's sort of close so what I'm thinking of, like domicile, is that the word? And then it's like, oh, house. That's what I was thinking of. So it's I, I am I do that all the time. I do I I'm now at the point where I'm like, oh wait, what's that guy's name? And it's like you know the one with the the big hair and the and he was a genius. And then I'll like go on Google and type in like genius, big hair. Like oh yeah, Einstein. That's his name. <laughs> so I'm at the point now where at no point I don't remember anything. Like anything without that so you're probably right that's probably part of why uh randall park's uh true identity was such a joy to me which is not to take away the joy i'll tell you what i do and i'm not suggesting that you or anybody else do this yeah. but i will not look on imdb in the middle of the thing that i am viewing. oh i can't do that i i do so it i will i will wait till the end no. because very often I will then, I will organically remember. Well, I like and it that. is satisfying. Yeah. In the, but I know I don't have to panic about it. I don't have to be like, oh my God, I'm not. Because I'm like at the end of the movie or, you know, this half hour episode of a television show, I will take up my phone and I will Google this episode and I will find out who that is. I like that. Uh, I like that discipline. So, no way I could do that. No chance. Yeah. No chance. I had the zero. I literally am going to watch during if I see their name during the credits, like leading into the movie. I'm like, hey, I know that person immediately. I'm pulling out the now, not in a movie theater, but like at home. And I wouldn't do it in a movie theater. Uh, well, we don't go to movie theaters. I know. That's why so that's why I don't remember what that was like. But I don't believe I've ever done that in a movie theater. All right, Alan, we've we've done enough damage for one uh, for one podcast. So uh this was good. Congratulations one more time on JT. Oh, thanks. I thought you were going to congratulate me on my excellent football analysis. But... Well, and and by the way, when the Chiefs win 34-24, as you predicted through me, uh, you're going to come back on and explain how you knew. How did Great. you know? Yes, it's I will. be delightful. I'll explain it. Ellen, as always, thank you. Ah, you're the best, Joe. The presenting sponsor of today's show is Tops.com and Tops Project 70. Tops is celebrating the 70th anniversary of its very first baseball card design with a new program that pushes boundaries while also paying homage to their heritage. Founded in 1938 as a chewing gum company, Tops released their first baseball card set in 1951. 
Now, seven decades later, Topps has teamed up with 51 artists and creatives from around the globe to revisit and reimagine 70 years of Topps' most iconic baseball card designs through a year-long program called Project 70. Each artist will select their own MLB players and Topps designs from any year to craft a unique story. Ever wanted to know what Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle would look like in a 1980s Topps design? Or how about Fernando Tatis Jr. in the 1950s? Now you can. Three new cards launch daily all year long on Tops.com and are only available for 70 hours before they're gone for good. While you're there on the lookout for special cards, each card drop includes rainbow foil editions numbered 1 to 70 randomly inserted into each card's print run as well as one of one gold frame edition given to a lucky purchaser. Exclusive artist proof editions numbered to 51 featuring a silver frame are also available for purchase for every single card. But hurry as those sell out shortly after each card is launched. So look, head to tops.com to learn more about Project 70 and to check out which cards are live right now.